Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pits two movies with something in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. This week, in the red corner, that rubber-faced comedy prince Jim Carrey turns his talent to more serious fare as he teams up with director Peter Weir for 1998's The Truman Show. Well, in the blue corner, Ryan Reynolds teaches us that NPCs are more than just cannon fodder as he discovers the truth about Free City in 2021's Free Guy. 30 years ago, the Omnicam Corporation created the ultimate reality-based television experience, The Truman Show. Beginning with a child's birth, they set out to document an entire human life. Every single moment broadcast live to the world. They created his hometown of Sea Haven. All of it completely enclosed within the dome of the Truman stage. Cue the sun. And even though the Truman Show has become an international phenomenon, Truman himself has never learned the true nature of the world around him. It's television! Yes! Despite some close calls, Every aspect of his life has been carefully scripted and meticulously crafted. But the one thing no one could predict was who Truman Burbank would grow up to be. Good morning! Morning! Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs> Get over here! Let's go. Uh-huh. Captain Khakis, come here. Go, let's go. Come on, bud. Closer. There he is. Blue shirt guy. Blue shirt. Yes. Hello, officer. Rabbit? Nice skin. Thank you. That's sweet. How'd you get it? Well, uh, mostly genetics, I think. I'm pretty lucky. I have I have naturally dewy skin. Listen up, Neutrogena. You know you can't go around looking like that. The rules are clear. And another thing, you can't hack the NPC avatars. No, sir. It screws up the mission load, screws and it up. makes the game look bad. Horrible! Yeah. I got like 5% of that. It's a trapped in an unreal reality face-off today in our fight to the death. So let battle commence. It's Clash of the Titles. Release! 
Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Butters. And in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening and good night. I'm Alex Zay. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. It's the Truman Show versus Free Guy. It's V's choices. It's time to find out in the section she hates why she picked them. <laughs> Which will be repeated when we talk about the history of the show. I've always liked the Truman Show, uh-huh. but I've always felt very uncomfortable about it. Uh, I, the first time I saw it, it made me feel really uncomfortable. So I was, int- I wanted to see if it would still make me feel deeply uncomfortable. Okay. And I never really knew if it was supposed to. For reasons we'll get to. And then I hadn't seen Free Guy. I'm just going to admit that, but I'm a big Ryan Reynolds fan, so I was saving it for a good match. And now here we are. I know. What a pairing, though. I mean, one of Chris or I had a lot of research to do this week. And let me just say, (laughs) Free Guy is a dense film. There's a a lot to unpack there. It's thematically very rich, certainly. Mm, It is. It is. So the clue V gave on last week's show was... Uh, is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris followed that up on Twitter with... Yeah, I felt like I had a lot to do. Um... <laughs> you did. Oh, did you get the Truman Show? No, just for a clue. Yeah. All right. Just to sort of... I guess what he's doing oh, is, is being very delicate in saying <laughs> what you gave our dear Clash Potters... Oh, wasn't ter- very good. <laughs> is, ...is no way for the member to have guessed these two films. But did one person guess them? Um, no, well, there were a series of guesses before yeah. I did a second clue. That were not correct. A million miles away. Okay. Yeah. Which is, we've done Bohemian Rhapsody, so it's not that. No. So okay. I thought, oh, more fant- right. fantasy films. Oh, yeah, fair enough. A lot yeah. of fantasy films. Um, but, but it does make sense when you think about it, because it's not real life. It is reality. Yeah. Um, so I put a picture, a gif, mm. of a man, George Costanza, uh, watching telly intently while eating popcorn, mm-hmm. watching a screen. Mm. And do you know what happened? I, I don't I don't want to say whose clue got us to this point. My clue. All right, you've said it. <laughs> but we got how many right answers, Chris? I think, was it one? It was one right answer. Great. So somehow this unholy pairing of you two... Half and half. ...has given us the best result. Because what does it mean if we get one right answer, Chris? Uh We've absolutely friggin' nailed it. Nailed the clues. Um, can I just say as well, just while I'm thinking about it, and let me just double check, uh, we have had a couple of people write in suggesting this pairing. So uh, okay. Reese Page and weirdly Andrew Wright suggested it after we picked, after we decided on it. Okay, he must have heard us. Was he sitting on the next table in the pub? Introduce yourself next time. It's weird if you don't. <laughs> so so thank you guys for sending that one in as well. It was on our minds. So the guesses were broadcast to the world on our Twitter at ClashPod. Optimistic. Uh, we're also on Instagram at ClashPod. Uh, so, congrats to our one and only answer, Smash Mind and Body. Who? Oh my God, I know them. Do you really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. It's Sam and Ash. Right. Uh, oh my God, that's so cool. I, uh, it seems dodgy. I now. didn't yeah, even totally. know they listened to the show. Um, Vicky's Ruined picks it. and her mates get it. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. That does a conflict of interest. I should have declared that at the, the top. I didn't know they followed us. Oh, well, hi, I Smash. Was, I was going to do a little bit about what they do. Do you want to do it instead, or shall I read what their Twitter profile says? No, please, says? go for it. You'll do it better than I All will. right, well, Smash supply free, inclusive workouts That's to build fine. strength in body and mind wherever you are in the world, celebrating every space body. Yes, correct. Mm. Yeah. Brilliantly done, beautifully done. You yeah. should give them a shout after the discussion last week about your suit issues. What do you mean? 
You couldn't fit in your suit. That's. I, I think this might be. I, I might. I might be wrong. I sort of saw it more as a bit more mindfulness leaning. But are you saying? Oh it's... no! So they do every. They do uh, resistance training, weight training, cardio, mindfulness yoga. They do tons of whatever you need. Oh great! Yeah. And it's... Uh, all of that, thanks. <laughs> Literally, I need all of that. But mainly sit-ups. <laughs> I think it was a tailoring and issue. less beer. Do they do, they do less beer? <laughs> Is that something they do? Uh, so congratulations. Uh, to you, Smash Mind and Body. Uh, your prize this week is to be part of the new Clash Pod reality TV show. Basically, you're locked in this baking hot studio with your fake partner, Vicky, and your fake best friend, Chris, and me, God. <laughs> we go live tomorrow. Can't wait to meet you. Let's do the connection section. I'll start. You can't get past the sea. Yeah, your world ends at the beach. I mean, man versus guy. Yes. It's there in the titles. That, which I like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're going to enjoy this week's quiz, Vicky. Oh, am I? I don't know if I am. <laughs> and do you know who wins this week's quiz? Smash Mind and Body. Brilliant. Uh, armchair commentaries. Yeah, people watching all over the world. I've got both of them do that very neat thing, that trope of going, look how big our show is. People are stopping mm. whatever they're doing yep. across the planet yep. to tune in. Effectively, yes. armchair commentators. Yeah. That's a shorter way of saying exactly the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I haven't really got much else. It's just Well, they claim that the world is watching at the end of the movie as well. Both films do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of them, I think, is more likely than the other. Mm. Yeah. Um, the, the greetings. They both have uh, a catchphrase greeting. Oh, Alex, that's cute. Yeah. Alex, you did, you did, um, you did yeah. um, the Trumans and, and don't have a good day, have a great day as guys. That's yeah. true. That's yeah. true. That's a lot then, I think. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, fundamentally... They are very similar films. So on Thursday, we're hitting the open world with Free Guy, which means today Chris is seeing the sights of Seahaven. Chris takes on a journey. It's quite weird that Vicky picked this pair and that Alex asked to do Free Guy so I'd end up with The Truman Show. Almost like they were manipulating me into picking it for the entertainment of some unseen audience who have been watching me all my life. As there are times when it's clear that, much like Truman, the world does revolve around me and everyone is in on it especially the two terrible actors opposite me who talked me into this pairing with Free Guy rather than Pleasantville, which I wanted and would have been better. Unbelievable. And who made me think The Frighteners is worse than it actually was last week. Anyway, The Truman Show is about a bloke whose life is a TV show. So when did you first watch this one, Alex? <laughs> uh, I watched it. I think I, I, there's no big story around when I watched it. I watched it when it came out on home video and I remember really liking it, thinking, wow, Jim Carrey can do more than comedy because obviously he was so known for comedy in the period up to this and then this movie put him on the map and people did start going, ooh, Oscar didn't materialise. But I did have one major issue with it, uh, which is the same issue I had with it watching it this time round, which we'll get into. <gasps> How very exciting. Mm. Vicky. I saw it at Das Kino. That, that means you know, <laughs> a snake noise. <laughs> Vicky, <laughs> it's your conscience speaking. A snake! <laughs> <laughs> but we haven't snake. talked in a while. <laughs> Not for a very long, too long, some people would say. Um, I went to the, I was at the cinema and then I was coming, I can't remember what I'd been to see and I came out of the cinema and there was Very that... angry cinema goer. <laughs> no. And there was that poster, you know, the famous poster of Truman's face made up of composite pictures of him on the television. And I had never seen anything like it. And I remember doing like a double take in the cinema lobby. Like, that looks good. And I was really, really <laughs> excited because honestly, I'd never seen anything like that before, that picture. So I was very excited to see it. Went to see it at the cinema. Loved it. Was really uncomfortable by some parts of it. So mm. waited a few years. 
watched it again, was made even more uncomfortable by these certain parts and then had to give it a bit of space. And so was interested to see if I'd feel differently this time around. Mm. I, haven't, I haven't watched it for about 10 years. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm not sure if I saw this at the cinema because it did come out when I was at uni, when mm. I wasn't going to the cinema much. Yeah. But, you know, I think we were all Jim Carrey people, weren't we? Yeah, yeah those, of course. Those first three movies, obviously in a year, is nuts. And then Liar Liar was next, which was bloody funny. Yep. Very funny. Not that funny now. Quite funny then. Um, and so this was, you know, everyone went to see this. Mm. Yes. And, I mean, I loved it then. And what I will say is that I've seen it a bunch of times since because it's one of those handful of films that... If I turn on the telly and it's on, no matter what point it's at, I have to keep watching. Mm. It's just very watchable. Yeah. And it sort of builds up as well to that crescendo, which I get quite excited about. Yep. Um, so that's all I'll say about that to begin with. All right. Um, so let's do a little bit of background. Um, I have done some work on this one this week. <laughs> uh-huh. I got as far as the Truman Show delusion and stopped because I was like, Chris can handle this. Mm. <laughs> Um, I read the script, though. I've read that original Andrew Nichols script. The sci-fi thriller script. Can't, yeah, yeah. The, the New York, right. the New York version. Um, and so we'll get into that. But um, that original script, Scott Rudin uh, read, loved, um, took it to Peter Weir, who um, said it was perfect uh, for what it was, but wasn't right for him. Uh, Peter Weir, of course, this legendary Australian director, directed Vicky's favourite film. <laughs> That's Picnic at Hanging Rock, uh, just for and Ghostbusters. What? Uh, but he couldn't get out of his head. He said he admired it, but he wanted to change it, uh, which he said was a, fun, a weird feeling for him. He felt uncomfortable with that. But uh, Scott Rudin and Andrew Nichol agreed that he could change what he wanted and we'd see where they'd get. And so um, he took this sort of speculative science fiction script and wanted to lighten it up. Um, because it was much darker initially. Um, He wanted to bring it closer to where we were then in 1998. It was a bit more futuristic, that version. And he felt they had to get the concept of the TV show working. Um, So you'd believe people were watching this TV show. Mm. And he didn't feel like they'd quite captured that. And he said, if we don't get that right, we haven't got a movie. Um, And he also felt like it couldn't be depressing, the TV show. The, The TV show was quite depressing in that original script. You know, Truman isn't a good guy. Mm. It's it's Is a he much... having an affair. Um, he's not. I mean, I'll talk about some of the things he does. He's hiring a um a sex worker regularly right. to pretend to be his lost love from uh, college. That's dark. Um, yep. He's not doing stuff with her, but he's making her wear the cardigan and just sit with him in a fountain. <laughs> Easy somehow, though, to be fair. Somehow weirder. <laughs> it is weirder, but no, it's, it's definitely easier. <laughs> shall, we, shall we have sex? No, no, no. Put the cardigan Put that on. Put back on. Uh, and his feeling was that was too depressing and people wouldn't watch that. It had to be relaxing and therapeutic so people would go to sleep with it on and wake up with it on in the background. Um, all smart changes. Um, that said, that original script is really interesting as mm. well. So... Um, the location was a big thing for him. Um, this is a, a grim, rainy New York in the script, and he thought it should be a holiday resort, a dream destination where it's always sunny. And I couldn't confirm this, but I remember reading somewhere that he was inspired by the success of the drama Home and Away. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Home and Away uh, was a big hit in Australia and a big hit in England, and it was set in a place called Summer Bay. And he thought, well, that's captured the imagination of two nations we should try and do something along those lines. And it's true. I mean, there is something of the Summer Bay about what we're yeah. seeing here. So he toured a bunch of backlots and they thought they might use one of the big studio backlots. He was going to use one so that Truman's Well would have bits of Paris and Manhattan in it because hmm. he doesn't know any different. Uh, but that was actually proving to be too expensive. And his wife read about a place in Architecture Digest called Seaside in Florida 
which was 90 acres by a beach, 400 houses. The houses were built to three quarters scale. <laughs> um, they all had to have a porch. They all had to have a fence, but you couldn't have the same fence on the same street as someone else. Right. And so it was basically a film set they walked onto. And so, um, yeah, they got into a bit of a bidding war with the bloke who owned that town because he didn't want to hire it out for six months. But... Um, they got, they got, he got his price. So were people living there who had to agree to this or had mm-hmm. it not yet been populated? No, people were living there. Uh, a few moved out for the duration of the shoot. The actors moved into some of the houses there. Wow. But yeah, there, there were some populated places there. Uh, but he said if you have that closed-in feeling when you're there, uh, which was perfect for the film. Uh, the only thing they had to build was Truman's office, but that was just on the side of a building that already existed. Everything else is what it looks like. And... Um, of those actors that moved in and all the main cast did, some liked it and others really hated it and felt creeped out and were just uncomfortable. Because it's whole really thing. on its own. I saw an aerial photograph of it and it's just this town surrounded by, I guess, Florida. So, you know, the swamps or whatever, mm. the, the Florida wilds. Mm. And it's you do feel very secluded looking at it. I think that sounds nice. I think it sounds nice as well. <laughs> yeah, no, it depends who you're there with. Uh, very much, yeah, that makes sense. But, I mean, D- Disney fell in love with it because they built a town called Celebration, which was supposed to be the perfect perfect town, which is not too far from there, which it was based on this loosely. It's funny how it all goes in circles. Um, anyway, speaking of those actors, um, Peter Weir read it and felt like he needed Jim Carrey, which was quite a strange thought to have, especially as that was based on seeing him in Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. <laughs> Right, yeah. What did he say? He, he reminded him of Charlie Chaplin mm-hmm. in that movie and that's why he wanted him for this. Yeah, the producer said he'd saw, he saw something in Jim that none of us had seen and um, maybe Jim hadn't seen. But equally, when you think about it, Peter Weir had directed 10 years before Dead Poet Society, which is the film that really made Robin Williams into the serious dramatic actor. Mm. Uh, he'd, he'd done drama before, but that was the first time he'd really connected with audiences. So I think Carey sort of trusted in Weir and Trier Weir trusted in Carey. Um, Until they got onto set together. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think Carey felt he, it, it was his opportunity to play a serious character, but stay in comedy as yeah. well and, and get to do his shtick as and when required. So he said yes, but he wasn't available for a year, probably because of Liar Liar. Um, So in that year, they did more than a dozen drafts of the film, uh, trying to get the logic watertight and trying to answer every question that the audience might have. And I think they do a good job of suspending our disbelief because there's not many times I'm thinking, why doesn't he do that or why isn't that happening? Yeah, and it's also quite interesting that they go all in from the start by going, this is a TV show. Yes. As opposed to doing a, a slow burn reveal where you go, this is sort of weird, this town, people yeah. are strange. Oh, wait, it's a TV show. They open with, this is a TV show. Mm. But they don't do the... Exp- this is the thing I was most obsessed with back then and still most obsessed with. The bit of the... If we were writing it, just as like starting out, like we would do the exposition at the top and you'd be like, here's Truman as a baby and he was picked to do this thing mm. and now he's on a TV show because you're a beginner and you're like, well, people need to know, otherwise, whatever. They save it for the middle... By which point you're so invested in him that it's brilliant to see him as a baby. You can't like you want you want yeah. to hear his story, but and you're also fully paying attention at the beginning of a film. You are fully paying attention, but if you get too much exposition, your brain just dis, sort of disconnects a bit because there's too much to take in. And I think that choice to move that classic montage to the middle is so um, mature and masterful. I'm so jealous of it. <laughs> and and it is a change from the original script because it does start with him in the womb, as you would being born. Makes perfect sense. Mm. Um, I've got lots more to say behind the scenes, but I'm sort of going to fold it into talking about the film. So any more for any more or should we get into it? Well, let's do it. Okay, so The Truman Show. Uh, we kick off with, as we say, we're straight into the middle of the story, really. Uh, we got some voiceover about from um, Christoph, 
telling us that we become bored with actors giving us phony emotions, uh, their pyrotechnics, uh, their special effects, um, explaining there's nothing fake here. It's genuine. It's a life. Yeah, I mean, Christoph, this, I, I mean, I don't even know if this was intentional because I don't know that there are that many people that this would really appeal to. But I think maybe it's on purpose because Christoph, in those talking heads at the top, says, well, obviously, some parts of Sea Haven and this world, the Truman Show, are counterfeit, is the word he uses, because they have to be for the drama. And then you've got the actors going, Nothing here is fake. Mm. Now, if you've ever done a junket where you speak to the director <laughs> and the actors, the director does actually know what's going on and it contradicts what the actors say because they've just sort of learned some PR spiel yeah. about what the show is. And they're like, remember, it's totally real. So the actor's like, nothing here is fake. But then you get the person in charge going, no, it is. It definitely it is. absolutely <laughs> is. And it's just this, it's such a subtle divide between the actors and the creators of mm. the programme. Good spot. I don't know if it's real or I just I just uh. I just saw it. It's just so weird to have mm. like it go from Christoph going parts of it are counterfeit to the statement nothing here is fake. Yeah. It's it's too weird for it not to be the case. And the therapeutic nature of the film uh, of the show rather that I mentioned here we learn that he mentions viewers leave him on all night for comfort, which might have sounded strange then. But two years later, Big Brother yeah. mm? was on the TV in the UK and people were leaving that on all through the night at night. Mm. You know, I nearly went on Big Brother. Did you? As a contestant. Mm. Why? Oh, my God. How are we just finding this out? I was nearly on the first series of Big Brother. Holy shit. When the I, big one. <laughs> yeah, when I didn't, really, I didn't really know what it was, and I, I had a couple of auditions. Were you, you know, I the my, Nasty Nick role? <laughs> he, he would have been so competitive. Oh, my God, He'd have yeah. had a bit little pencil in there going, yeah. vote this person. We can't have two competitive white men. Oh, no, wait, we can, because it's 99. It's I fine. would have been mates with Craig. We, me and him would have got on. <laughs> yeah. 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 Footy in the stabbed him? in the back, I mean, man. We would have talked about footy in the garden. I, just, okay. I, remember, I remember, what does that say about the British population <laughs> that the man who spent 90% of that show asleep in the garden <laughs> went on to win it. But So nobody, nobody knew what Big Brother was. And so I'm going through this process and then um, the big story was there's going to be a TV show in the UK where they're filming people um, in the shower and on the toilet. So I phoned them up and said... Will you be filming me on the shower in the toilet? And if so, will you be broadcasting? And they said, yeah, we are allowed to do that. That's part of the show. If we want to broadcast that, we can. And that's when I pulled out. I wanted absolutely no part of any show that would do that. But you wanted part of our show. I didn't know that about you. Well, I I just left uni and I was struggling to find a job. And this sounded like a laugh for the summer. Obviously, no one really knew what that was going to turn into. It just sounded like a fun thing to do. Yeah. And what it turned into wasn't as good as that first show because exactly. fundamentally the principles of just watching people exist in a bubble is enough. Yes. You don't need to go, you got to throw jam at a sparrow. And that's, the, <laughs> that's, that, that's this episode. You're like, oh, for fuck's sake, leave them to just interact. That's the dynamic we want to see. It was. Just, I mean, I know this is a bit remember berries or whatever, but I was at work for a TV company when it was on and we stopped, we downed tools, which was making rival TV shows to Big Brother to watch Big mm. Brother when Nasty Nick got found out. Yeah. I got called back from the street, get into the office now, you need mm. to see this. And it was, it was like, this is a masterclass in how we create a narrative for this rival fucking shit show that we're trying to pitch. It was just the biggest news in the world. It's like, you cannot leave. We have to watch this television. Day 10,909. Um, Alex, do you want to do the quote that he says? Good morning. Oh, good morning. Good afternoon. And in case I don't see you, good night. Or whatever it is. I've bastardised it already. <laughs> <laughs> Light immediately falls from the sky. Bang. Mm. Uh, Starts an interesting trend. And I don't know whether you agree with this. 
So much of Truman finding out this is a TV show yeah. is because they're a really sloppy production team. Yeah, really, very much so. I, it's, I, I think that was in the trailer, the light falling down, because it's so brilliant. Mm. But then when you're watching it again, now you know so much about how, well, you feel that like you know so much about how reality TV works. It's like, this is a fucking nightmare. This is what, what this production is is fraught. It makes no sense that, just to us now with modern eyes, that they don't know where he is at, at certain points. Like, that seems inconceivable. But also that there's something slipping, that a light could fall from the ceiling and they don't have a real driver. It's not hard to get a real driver and he picks up the frequency. But I did buy it at the time. I wasn't like, well, this is a, a poorly sort of stewarded production. But now when but you're watching it... Isn't it all fine unless he's... He, the fact the problem is he's gone off-piste. That driver would never be an issue, but yes. he's, he's messing with the script for the first time. Yeah. And so they're not prepared for these eventualities because it's just too he's big a production. He's never done it before, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not my change, but I just thought of it now. It's... Um... It is a big problem, though, that at the end when they've lost him and they're doing the, the manhunt around the town and they're like, where is he? We can't find him. Check these cameras. Check that. He's got a camera on his buttonhole and they use that oh, camera yeah. when he's on the boat. With at the end, they use a shot from that camera, oh, which yeah. means that actually they could have just gone, just check his Button camera, <laughs> check Truman's camera oh, and tell us where he is. Oh, yeah. Oh, Sorry. Um, in the, in that original script, how he evades them is by disguising himself and joining the search party, which is quite clever. <laughs> and he wouldn't be wearing the same clothes then. It would work better. Yep. Um, the radio blames it on an aircraft, which is cleverly happens all the way through the film. They sort of figure out ways to, to explain these things. Um, he's, they're, putting, they're doing setups here for a lot of stuff. So he's buying a fashion magazine for his wife. Um, he's pushed in front of a chicken advert. He's phoning for Fiji, trying to find a listing for Lauren or Sylvia. Um, it, it's setting up a lot. And then he's sent to Harbour Island. Um, and in that sequence, there's all these fisheye cameras. And I just want to talk about that for a second, because it's all these unexpected angles. Um, that That's all from a guy called Peter Bijou, um, who's the DP, and came in and suggested playing with the frame and coming up with ways of interfering with the shot. And there's no tracking shots ever in this film, because... That wouldn't be possible. Mm -hmm. So all this stuff that my brain wasn't wouldn't have thought about when you're watching it, but it does. It, it, these cameras being hidden everywhere, and the long lenses, and the zooms, and the framing being off, it makes us. It turns us into the camera, and yeah. it sort of makes us voyeurs. It almost makes us involved and guilty. I feel like for what we're seeing, which I think is really smart. Yeah, agreed. It's sort of a new visual language they're trying to create for the film. Yeah, and also coupled with a great script, one way or return. Return. <laughs> <laughs> he sees the submerged robot at the harbour and he gets scared and he, and he heads home where uh, Meryl, his wife, is doing a chef's pal advert. Um, his Stepford wife, played by um, Laura Linney. Um, I don't know, you, uh, you've watched Ozark as well, haven't you? Yeah. I feel like it's quite similar. Some of yeah. The coldness in her performance. Because <laughs> yeah. she's normally quite a warm character. She's very warm in real life. Yeah. And normally in films, she's warm. She was always one of my favourite, like almost my favourite thing about this every single time I've watched it. Because she just gets it so right, this sort of weirdness. And you'd, I believe that she has another life outside of the Truman Show. How? But you, I don't know. Just she seems Because she doesn't seem completely happy where she is. I only asked that question because that's what I was trying to work out as well. Because obviously... When he goes to work in the day, she could potentially leave the show yeah, and, go and go home or and see her, her real family because, yeah. as we discover later, she's crossing her fingers in the wedding photo, yeah. so she doesn't really believe this is a real marriage. It's just for the show. But then we do see her go to work during the day, during yeah. that sequence. And she wakes up in the house. Mm. So I was waiting for that, for, for her and for Marlon to be like, oh, and do you remember, you know, you're, you're away for six months of the year kind of thing, or she doesn't summer in the... Or so maybe she does have time to... 
and yeah. especially him as well. Do you want to know where she does go and what she does do? Yes, because please. Laura Linney wrote some backstory for her. Uh, the character's called Hannah Gill. Um, and he said that she said that she believes that Hannah is rabidly ambitious. And when she's not on screen, she's in a boardroom making deals because she's got a huge amount of power and money because of all the um, product placement she's doing within the show. She said she's constantly wheeling, dealing behind the scenes. And she gets and she, she reckons she gets a salary bump whenever she sleeps with Truman. Yeah. This is her <laughs> trying to get in the head of this character. Um, but then she has to be caring and loving. So it would, you know, how that trying to figure out how that would um, mess with your head. And um, how she sort of looks is uh, Peter Weir gave her a Sears catalogue from the 1950s and all her poses come from the silhouettes that are in that catalogue yeah. when she's holding things up. <laughs> uh, and then we meet also uh, Truman's best friend, Marlon, uh, who's advertising a beer uh, in this See, is there a more trustworthy, untrustworthy looking actor than Noah Emmerich? <laughs> There's, you know, David Morse. I think David Morse and Noah Emmerich, they both look a bit similar mm. and I just don't trust them. He's such a baddie. <laughs> he's, he's such a bad guy by the end. I hate Marlon for what he does. <laughs> it's so it's unnecessarily evil, but he's not there yet. Would you like a bit of backstory for Marlon though? Yeah. Because I think Noah was saying he had to find who this guy was so he could get inside his head and and I think I do feel a degree of sympathy for him he said he had pushy stage parents yes. who forced him onto this show when he was a child he's been on it his whole life he's had this secret and this burden weighing on him his whole life Truman has become his best friend because he's his only friend mm. but at the same time he's being forced to say and do these things so he's just got a completely messed up sense of right and wrong yeah. within this show but that comes to a head because it's that scene where he's parroting what uh, mm -hmm. Christoph is saying into his ear. Yep. And he goes, Christoph says the line, I would never yep. lie to you. And you watch him and you think it's struggle on his face. Yeah, it's initially. Not. <laughs> yeah. You think he's like, can I say it? And you actually think he's not going to say it. Yeah. He's going to say something similar to that, but he can't actually bring himself to say it. And then you realise. He's just performing. Yep. He's just trying to milk that line yeah. for everything it's, it's got the for the show. The most evil thing I've ever seen. Yeah. It's not him. I've seen it three or four times and I still think he's going to go, I can't I can't do that, or yeah. give a little clue or whatever, but he's pausing for effect, yep. the bastard. <laughs> the Christoph reveal is so perfect there, isn't it? Mm. Um, so we got flashbacks to Truman um, sailing with his dad and losing his dad. In, in the, that original script, you see... Flashbacks of that with Christoph rehearsing in a swimming pool, the actor who's playing the dad trying to trying to get the death just right. Um, and then his dad appears uh, as a homeless man um, on the streets and it's 15 minutes in and I feel like we're really motoring yeah. because we've learned so much and he's whisked away on a bus and everything is set up within this, those first 15 this is, minutes. This is very personal, but this is why I really struggled with it the second time I watched it because if you've lost someone, to do first of all, to do that to a child, I cannot ever forgive this film for doing that, but I don't think I'm supposed to. Like To, get, to put all that on a child is horrendous. He goes to see his mum, she gaslights him, then she blames him. There's no need for her to do that. It's just the most awful thing I can think of. And then when someone dies, if they die in, hor in a horrible way and you don't find their body, naturally you don't believe it's happened. And then to do that to someone on top of everything else, like... I can't cope with it, and I couldn't cope with it the second time I saw it because I, you know, I was feeling feelings like that, and it's like if you do, you do not believe that this person is dead, even though you really should. And if you saw them on the street, I think your brain would just melt. Like he does a really good job of not going completely crazy, or maybe that's why he he doesn't. Truman never seems to think he's that delusional, whereas his wife does. Like he thinks he's he thinks he's in a conspiracy, but I don't remember a scene where he's like, I can't, I am obviously losing it, and I I, mm. I need some help or whatever. 
But I think he does a good job of that because everything in place, the, his, the life he's had is horrible. Like, Christoph thinks he's created something perfect for him, but what he's done to him is torture, basically. Yeah, yeah, the real victim in all of this is the actor who played his dad yeah. because he's fought <laughs> his way secretly back onto that set. He's clearly destitute in real life because those are his clothes. Yeah. So he's fought his way back onto the set. He's got his part back just as Truman leaves the show. <laughs> There's a problem. It's just so sad watching this little boy be like, like Dad, it's a fucking hell. Who, who does that? Uh, so Truman starts thinking about his lost love. Um, we, we get a first glimpse of the viewers watching this. A waitress in a bar says they got rid of her, but they couldn't erase the memory. Uh, this is a Truman Show bar, isn't it? A Truman yeah. Show yeah. themed yeah, bar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever been to any of those Only Fools and Horses themed bars in Tenerife? I thought you were saying Peckham, no. <laughs> no, you've got to be in the sun to eat cook bre- English breakfasts. No, but I tell you what, it's the sort of thing that I'd be like, yeah, I'd love to do that. And then I'd get in there and be really frightened and want to leave. Have you been? Yeah. You, I mean, you would be the only woman in there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just going back to 1996 when I was on lads' holidays. So you'd, you'd wake up with a hangover, you'd go to the Animals and Horses bar. Pool, yeah? Brilliant. <laughs> you'd have a, a cooked English breakfast in the searing sun and watch four episodes of Only Fools and Horses. Oh, are they legally licensed bars, though? <laughs> have, have they paid for the licensing of Only Fools and Horses? It's not a question you ask when you're in there, huh? <laughs> you look like a bit of a spoil sport. <laughs> Where are, you, where are you from? You from the BBC? Uh, you know, I just wonder because obviously, wasn't there a pub called Middle Earth or The Hobbit or something yes. on the south coast that Warner's went shut that shit down? Yeah, I think it came yeah. up in a previous quiz. Mm. Um, so we meet uh, Lauren is the name of the woman uh, who Truman sort of uh, fancies at, at school, and then Meryl falls on him. Um, oh yeah, question. So, well, I think I've answered it myself, but I did wonder in that moment where the it was sort of Truman's up for grabs from a variety of cast members. And uh, Meryl had just, was just building her part at that point and sort of grabbing Maybe her, no. grabbing her chance in the limelight. But no, I think she has been cast yes. as his love interest, which mm. is why she is forced upon him. Because Marlon can see Truman looking at Lauren yeah, and tries yeah, to yeah. distract him. And then I got obsessed with like, think about in real life, how many missed moments, you know, sliding doors moments you have. And then think about if you found out that you're not with the right person because you were actually sabotaged by someone you thought was your best friend. Like, it's so, it's like, I know it's really meta, obviously, but that sort of thing does happen in real life. But imagine if you found out that someone had been paid to do that. Like, like your best friend distracts you for a moment and you don't meet eyes with this other person. And then it's like, what if kind of thing. And that's played out. The way you say, have you done this to me? <laughs> it just, it feels like a really Don't weird, look at that, look at that. weird way of admitting something <laughs> you did when we were at uni. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You remember when I played the trumpet for is, a bit for no reason? Is there someone else who should be sitting in that podcast seat right now? <laughs> it's something you did years Get ago. Get out of it, bitch. It's <laughs> got you to this point. Um... I like the fact they're all really old, but they didn't try and de them or anything. It's just, we, we just buy it. It's I fine. Like it. They just put her hair in a high ponytail. She's a teenager. Brilliant. Um, but he's, you know, this is where we get some some proper Jim Carrey acting. When he approaches Lauren in the library, he's so vulnerable and sweet and adorable. And she says she's not allowed to talk to him and it's not up to her. And 
And then she says to him, if we don't go now, it won't happen. And so they run and they kiss on the beach. Um, and then it all starts going wrong. Uh, people come for her. She shouts, it's all fake. It's all for you. And, and her fake dad claims it's a schizophrenic episode she's having. She says, come and find me. I'm a bit disappointed. She knew she had a very short amount of yeah, time and she could have been a little clearer yeah. in exactly what was going on if you a don't little want, earlier. When your dad says, I love it when he's like, you're not the first. That's always a really good way to, def- you know, that's so cruel. Mm. But why don't you try seeming less like a crazy person when you tell Truman the truth? Just take a breath. You have got 10 seconds. You can do this. You've probably been planning it. So you've really fumbled it there, Sylvia. It's on you a little bit. And on that bombshell, we're going to take a break. (laughs) We agree, though. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And we're back. Um, and so the clues are coming thick and fast now. Um, he's heard that from Sylvia, that his radio messes up. He starts hearing the producers. Um, he, he catches people sort of timing themselves before they start walking. He stops traffic. He's essentially Bruce Almighty mm. in that scene. <laughs> um, True. He walks to places he's not supposed to walk. He sees the back of a lift and he's actually backstage. That's all from that original script. That score that comes in at that point is perfect. No one really talks about the Truman Show score as like a memorable score. but I think it's it was nominated. One, was of, it really? one of the best scores of all time. Okay, I've think... never really had a conversation about it yeah. before, but listening to it here, it's just got that right element of sort of action adventure like is he going to make it but sort of an undercurrent of real drama yeah Yeah, I I listen to it all the time but some of the I think maybe partly some of the tracks on it are Philip Glass tracks from older films Mm. as well that they've sort of repackaged here because Philip Glass is involved with this he's not I don't think he's the the composer Mm. but he's involved with the score and he's actually in the film at one point Okay. I'll point him out when we get there. So it can't have been nominated then, if it, or maybe they just changed the Oscar rules. Because yeah. if you've got songs from older films, it's not eligible. I'm not sure what the story was. Um, so um, he approaches Marlon, who's loading up a vending machine. What I love about this film is I always see something new. Marlon's obviously not expecting him to come in. He hasn't got enough stuff. Yep. So while he's talking, he's loading up the vending machine and then unloading it. No way. While he's talking I and then loading noticed. it up again. That's brilliant. Uh, so clever. It sort of works again. It sort of doesn't work because he's loading it up and then Truman looks away and he takes them out and starts loading them again. 
But then he reaches down and has got a lot more chocolate bars <laughs> and starts loading up the next row. So I get the idea. I think it's a bit fumbled. Sad, though. This is the start of the real sadness with Marlon because he's really confiding in his best friend and his best friend is really manipulating him here. And he starts following um, his wife and it feels a bit like a thriller there, this sort of thriller music happening. And this must have been great fun if you're a writer because you want to put obstacles in Truman's uh, in front of him and you can put whatever you want because it's a TV show. So yeah. whatever the writer comes up with, he can stick in here. Um, and so he ends up at the hospital. I've forgotten this thing. He's watching actors perform the operation. <laughs> this is genuinely one of the funniest moments in it. Because the actor obviously fumbles it slightly. And well, he says, doesn't know. He can't perform an operation. Truman's watching him, so he has to. I'm guessing, I, I read it as he's actually sliced he's in. Yeah, leg. he's done yeah. something. Cut into the leg. He's like, yeah, I'm going to let someone else tidy this up. <laughs> he heads to the travel agent. Um, I like the fact she comes out with her makeup bib still on. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing to feed you for a month. So he goes to the bus station. That's where he meets the actor bus driver who doesn't know how to drive a bus. Question. Why have they not made Sea Haven an island? Why have a road off it at all? I know there's a bridge, but surely if you've given Truman a fear of water, yeah. then the whole of Sea Haven should not be attached to the mainland in any way. So you've only got a boat as an option for yeah. getting off the island. Stop spoiling this film for Sorry. me. You're going to ruin my claim that this is a perfect film. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to change my notes. Um, he can't get to Fiji for a month, as I said that. Um, so he tells Meryl what's going on and they go for a drive. He's blocked at every turn. This is when he is starting to have a bit of a mental break, yeah. I think, you know, based on the culmination of all these different things happening to him. Um, he's trying to drive off the semi-island and um, forest fires hit him and then there's a meltdown at the nuclear power station. Um, he gets sort of driven back and the guy who drives him back. Um, he says to him, thank you for your help. And the guy says, you're welcome, Truman. Yeah, another sloppy bit of production. I give it a pass because... Clearly, they've had to draft in these actors who aren't usually part of the show because he's off off the reservation, and so this guy isn't trained properly. Uh, the sequence in that original script, when he is losing his mind a little bit, um, he sees a woman pushing a pram, and he grows and grabs the baby, holds it above his head, and says, I'm going to smash this baby's head unless you say my name. Say my name, he keeps saying to her. And she won't do it. She's She's... She's a good actress. She's doing her job. She won't say his name. And he keeps um, screaming at her, say my name. And he's threatening to hurt this baby. He's not going to hurt the baby. And eventually he calms down. She talks him down. He hands the baby over to her and she says, thanks, Truman. <laughs> now, that, that's a better way of doing it yeah. because she's emotionally all over the place and she makes that mistake. And it re I think you wouldn't see that one coming. I read that the person that did that for a screen test was Gary Oldman. But he knew he wasn't going to be in it. They just wanted to film a section of the script while they were waiting for Jim Carrey to show people. So it was Gary Oldman doing that. Oh. That's fun, isn't it? Was there anyone else that was supposed to be in this then? Anyone else who was uh, yeah. available instead of Oscar winning Gary Oldman? We need someone to just, you know. Oh, yeah, Dennis, you know about that, about Dennis Hopper. Mm, yeah, that's for Christoph, though. Yeah. 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 I'll get to that when we do Christoph um, coming very soon. So. Um, she tells her, she, uh, he tells her that she can't stand him to his wife, and then she does an advert. Um, <laughs> Who the hell are you talking to? He says, which is one of my favourite lines. Um, and then she calls out to do something. Um, he doesn't know who she's talking to. So, this is the bit that made me uncomfortable when I was a teenager and uh, still does, because he's, he's having a mental break, he maybe. But he doesn't, maybe it's fine. He doesn't seem to know he's having a mental break. He's in the delusion, even though it's not a delusion, right? So he's like, who are you talking to? All the rest of it. 
and she he then he gets her funny little chef's aid thing and that's his wife and it does turn really quickly it does turn quite violent i think like it's it's i can understand that he's been pushed and it's not an unusual situation but that is his wife and he is holding a knife to her neck and I never liked that for him. It, it just tips him too far into, like, bad guy for me. Well, it's the same moment as the one I just described, where he's yeah. threatening violence, even though he's not actually going to do violence. Yeah, I don't know. I never felt... I don't know. I didn't... I didn't. With uh, a baby is one thing, I don't know. That's that's so dark, but... It, it's I don't really know. dark. I sort of watched it really carefully, and I think, you know, he has got a knife to her throat. Well, it's kind of... It's kind of diffused by the fact it's what a peeler, yeah, a grater, uh, <laughs> and, and a knife, and so you're like, it doesn't look like no, it a doesn't knife. look very sharp. It doesn't look like it could do any damage. It's only the bit earlier where he sort of grabs her yes. quite violently. That's the bit that gets me. And yeah, I guess so. But again, because this script is so funny, like and so clever, the minute you're sort of starting to go, oh, oh, oh. She sort of grabs hold of Marlon and goes, how can anyone be expected to work under these conditions? It's so unprofessional. Yeah. In that original script, he, he grabs the knife and after he sort of threatens her, they've got a waterbed and he slashes the waterbed and sort of forces her in there to, to almost drown her. Okay. Which is trying to tie everything back to the drowning, I think, and, the, and this water theme that runs through it. Yeah. Uh, Marlon shows up, lies to him again, and the music gets dark here. Um, he calls him brother. Bastard. Sorry. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> uh, you fame whore bastard. Uh, that's when we get the big Christophe reveal we spoke about earlier. And then we get the dad reveal. So I have a question about the dad reveal because obviously, like, the, the show is popular and people love Truman. And at this point, they have witnessed a man desperate to get off this island. Uh, they're aware that his dad is an actor who has been brought back. And you see them watching this moment. And people are moved by it. Yeah. They're touched by it. So it's sort of this strange thing where people love Truman and they know what he wants and they feel for him. You'd imagine watching that, you're feeling for a man who wants to get off this island. And yet, when Christoph plays the music and his dad turns up, everyone's like, this is brilliant TV. We love yeah, it. Yeah, it's a double thing, isn't it? They know that Truman is real. At the same time, a man coming back from the dead after a boating accident where his body was never found is a daytime soap narrative and mm. they want that as well. So they've got that sort of dual cognitive dissonance where they know he's real but they want the narrative satisfaction of oh my god look he lives kind of thing mm. but I know it is a conflict maybe yeah, I, just, I, I guess you know actually talking about it now I guess at the same time they're hoping that Truman is this overpowers his desire to get off the island the happiness that his dad returning I brings agree with him you. but then it's that's why the ending never made sense because everyone's cheering for him Correct. when he leaves yeah. yeah it's like I feel like it's like watching a sport though and that's how they treat it a little bit here and a bit later on as well where if I want my team to win but if my team's three goals up and then the opposition score two overhead kicks or something you're cheering because it's unbelievable what you're okay, watching yeah. and the drama's just gone up a, pe a, yeah. a, a notch but um, Sylvia is watching um, Lauren is actually Sylvia in real life um, she's gutted at, at what she's seeing everyone else is loving it but she's not because she has feelings for Truman and then we get here the life montage sort of sizzle reel we explained uh, the bubble that he's in Kent Brockman uh, interviews Christoph <laughs> in the Lunar Room presenting True Talk. Yeah. Um, He's playing the same character he plays in Godzilla. Harry Shearer, <laughs> back <Yes>. again. <laughs> uh, so, in terms of Christoph, Peter Weir always felt that he was the weak link in that script. Couldn't figure him out. Oh, this is interesting. Mm. Go on. And he said it wasn't working with Dennis Hopper. And because they were shooting a lot of um, Christoph's stuff at the end, they fired Dennis Hopper just straight off. I right. don't know if he shot anything or not, but 
but he, he wasn't. They decided he wasn't right, and so he wanted. He said he wanted an English actor who didn't sound English in the role. Uh, they couldn't find one. Um, <laughs> uh, lots of great actors. They don't name them. Passed on it, and then CAA called and offered um, Ed Harris. Said, "Would you like Ed Harris for the role?" Uh-huh. And so. Um, Ed Harris was nearby. He came straight to the set. They showed him dailies. They talked about the character and um, they put him in wardrobe within 10 hours. He was wow. He was getting set up for this. Uh, uh, they, he was in wardrobe before they struck a deal, which really pissed off his agent. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of undermines your negotiating position. <laughs> but he said he was glad he couldn't overprepare because he felt like um, Christoph should be instinctive and intuitive as a character. He gave him a backstory that he'd had this unhappy, troubled childhood and he wanted to create this idyllic world for a child now. Um, but he also made some bad suggestions as well. He felt like he would have been bullied as a kid, maybe because he had a humpback. Mm-hmm. And so they made him a humpback costume. No. Um, he put it on. Uh, Peter Weir saw it and said, what you just said, Vicky. No. Nope. No, no, thank you. <laughs> so tell me, what's your opinion of Christoph? Do you think he works as a character? Because he was the big problem I mentioned at the start the first time I watched it. And I thought maybe it was because I was a bit too young to really sort of find the nuance in that character. But I still think it's it's not made clear enough exactly what he is. Like, I don't understand sort of how he fits into it. Is he just a megalomaniac with a God complex? Yes. A, a full stop. And, and that's it. Or is there something more like going on there that is just, I guess, ill-defined in the script in terms of how he really, really feels about Truman? I think he's paternalistic. I think he's his son. But he and but I think the but damage... you would not kill your son or or, or jeopardize that. Well, I think that's it's where it gets more... interested at but the yeah, end he's... because because what what does he want more? His TV show to keep going or or? But also it... when the the son defies the father and so he has to die. That's mm. the, you know that's sort of ancient Greek myth or whatever. Right. So Christoph wants a son. Christoph builds a perfect world for his son. Like um, if the backstory is he had a bad childhood. The son defies him. It's you know this isn't enough, and it's like okay, well then you you know you I don't want to be bested by you, so I will have to kill you. Unfortunately, um, he's because he's like he's watching him sleep, and he and he he's created this perfect world for him, and he can also he can sense when something's wrong, like a dad. So when Truman disappears, Christoph comes shuffling in in his gown, and he's like, where is he? And it's like, why would he know? Why would, you know? Mm. It's just because he's got that sense, that paternal instinct, or whatever. Um, but I think he kills him not to make more, or tries to kill him, not to make better television, but just leaning into like sort of ancient legend, which is like, I'm I'm like the big dog and you don't get to defy me. I remember reading in Empire, Dennis Hopper was fired for making Christoph too crazy. He was like playing him. Like, <laughs> I already got fired because he couldn't remember his lines. <laughs> <laughs> An insane person. I, I don't know. There are elements of Christoph I really do like. I love, weirdly, the wardrobe. I, I think what they've done to him. Oh my God, I'm so glad you said that. I thought I was going mad. Like for years, I was like, when you think of rich white guy, I think of Ed Harris in the Truman Show because he looks so healthy and rich. Yeah, I, I, I misremembered it. I thought he had like a Kangol cap it just on. Doesn't he? I'm not sure it is. Oh, it's a beret. It's, it's a beret. It is a beret. Yeah. I think it's closer it to a beret. No, because that that was one of the things that bothered me as a kid. I'm like, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, no. But I love what what he wears, and I love the bit that you see at the start, the way he interacts with the two corporate suits and the fact that they're dressed fully in suits yeah. when he walks out of the gallery yeah. and they're walking in. It's like, they're like, you're a genius. That was fantastic TV. And he's just sort of very much 
dismissive of them. Like, you don't understand yeah. what I do. I'm a creative. He's a, yeah. They you say he's a world. televisionary, which is a it's word brilliant. I like. Yeah. yeah, that is fun. And I like the fact they say he guards his jealous, his privacy jealously. Yes. It's like, oh, <laughs> you bastard. Uh, Peter Weir said he, in that in that long chunk of time he had to, to work on the script, he, he said, I had to write a backstory for Christoph myself because I couldn't. I had to figure out how this had occurred. So in his in his mind, uh, Christoph had won an Academy Award for a documentary he'd done on the homeless, where he'd followed them round, um, maybe a bit too much. Okay. Um, and initially, Truman was just going to be um, a one-year show to sell baby products. That was the idea in, uh, to begin with. Right. And he hired a mum, and then it was successful. So he hired a dad and gave him a father in a garage, and it slowly sort of built from there, and the cradle-to-the-grave idea developed from there um, with the town. And that was his way of figuring out how they raised the money to sort of fund this whole thing, because right. I guess he just had to sort of make sense of it in his head. But um, yeah, we learned a bit about the backstory to the show itself. That Truman was in competition with five other unwanted pregnancies. Um, he was the first child to be legally adopted by a corporation. <laughs> That's a great line. And, and there's no adverts. It's all product uh, placement with uh, operators standing by. <laughs> <laughs> I like it when Ken Brockman, though, says to him, how are you going to explain the dad? And he says, amnesia. And he says, brilliant. Yep. Which is so funny because obviously that's like the worst thing you can do in a cheap soap opera is <laughs> yeah. amnesia. Um, but um, as, it, as, as Christoph says, if he were absolutely determined to find the truth, we couldn't stop him. And, I, you know, that's one of Christoph's weaknesses is he thinks he knows better than yes. Truman. He, he believes he's always one step ahead. And yep. at, the, at the dying moment, he isn't. Because that's why. So the cardinal sin is that you, did, you didn't know your son. No yes. one really does. And well, so, Sylvia did. She yeah. said, he's wrong. He'll prove you wrong yeah. because she knows him so better than he better does. Better to get rid of him than to face up to that, I think. But he says, we're going to introduce a new romantic uh, interest for him and we're going to have the first on-air conception. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, that moment where Christoph is touching his giant face and the music swells up, uh, the, the musician is in front playing the music and that's Philip Glass. That's his little camera. Oh, is it? Yeah, <laughs> which is a really great moment. And it's a haunting image, isn't it? Christoph touching that face. Yes. It's it's tragic. Um, so they send Marlon over with a six pack because uh, Truman's disappeared again and they have to cut the tra- transmission. Um, everyone goes looking for him in the dark. Um, oh, when the moon turns into a searchlight. Yeah. What an image. That's mm-hmm. so ominous. <laughs> Um, and uh, Christoph, uh, here he is one step ahead. He, he, he says they should go look at the water um, because he knows where Truman's gone. Just to go back to the moon as a searchlight, again, at some point, if they find him, mm. he's going to have seen the moon turn into a searchlight. So how are they going to then yeah. explain that away if they find him and convince him that, hey, it's, you're just being silly, you're hallucinating, you're having well, a they, they would say yeah. something like, there's, you know, it was an eclipse or there was a strange... Mm. Like, they, they, we've heard them all the way through. They really quickly come up with these, these reasons that are just about good enough for Truman to buy them. Yeah. yeah. I just think the things that they're doing are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm. Like, they're uh, in the endgame. Cue the sun. Oh, hey. I love it. <laughs> That's because they're in the endgame. And he finds him on the boat. Uh, they managed to broadcast that. Um, and as I say, you can see why the world is watching this now, which maybe I don't buy as much in Free Guy. But here, I mean, everyone will tune in just like we all tuned in um, to that for, to see Nasty Nick get yeah. uncovered. I mean, and that the whole... was very mild by comparison. <laughs> it was just a few people going, I think you might be lying to us, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> this is drowning a man on television. I'm not. I, I, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And it gets so beautiful here. Sylvia starts crying when he takes out her picture. and um, He's finally it, got the right eyes. That's a nice touch. <laughs> yes. Because it did not look killer. like her before. <laughs> I know, in another movie, it'd be like, like uh-oh. <laughs> uh, Christoph says, access the weather programme, localise a storm over the boat, hit him with lightning. It's getting darker here. This is when it turns into sort of a football match for the crowds watching it in the bars. Um, increase the wind, capsize him, tip him over. I feel like they ran out of budget here. I feel like this should be a quite a spectacular sequence and you really can't see much of what's going on. Yeah. Um, but um, he's drowning and Christoph is unmoved. Uh, and then it, it stops. Uh, the sun returns and, and he's broken. Um, this poor man, Truman. And the music kicks in. He raises the sail. He hits the wall and he's trapped. And it's amazing. And it's, I don't know, there's this anguish in his cry. I just find it so moving, um, Jim Carrey's performance here. And I think it's really interesting what Peter Weir decides to do because we hear him cry but we don't see him this is all on his back this entire sequence following him up these steps trusting in his body language to tell <coughs> us the story rather than seeing his face so that when we do see his face I think it's even more powerful but then by the time you see his face he's reset his face and I, I, I don't know this for a fact but if Jim Carrey does his big first dramatic cry you're so used to him moving his face in a big rubbery fashion that I don't. I think you might be tempted to laugh, even sure. though that's not his intention. No, maybe, maybe so that's it, the reason it's, it's shot like that. It's much more powerful if you just see the back of his head. So would Christoph have got away with killing him? Because he has no way of knowing that Truman would survive when he capsizes the boat. No, it's so, still murder. So it, it depends. It depends. I think those people in that are with <clears throat> with Christoph could get him done for murder. Okay. Yeah. That's why Paul Giamatti doesn't do it because you're culpable. Like he's lashed himself to the boat. You're controlling the water. You can't. So at this point, Christoph has gone like in inverted commas crazy. I think there's room. I've seen it a few times, and I I flip flop. I think there's room for him. He's gone a bit too far. But, but he's he hasn't willing quite. to kill. I think he's an angry to, god. Yeah. He's an angry god at this time. You read the Bible, thinks, God loses yeah. his shit all the time and yeah. does terrible oh, things yeah. to his to his children. I'm let, it's, he's like, God will decide kind of thing. And I think I might be God, but I'm not really. So mm. it's just water, so we'll see what happens. Okay. You know that he need, he did nearly really drown. Did he? Jim Carrey did, yeah. So they, because he's wearing a wool jumper and like quite big trousers and all the rest of it, mm. when they practised it, and there's divers under the water to make sure he was all right. He had a signal, which is like a common thing, which is like a closed fist or whatever mm. it is, which is, or this, like, I am in trouble because it's... Or, or this, is it? Or... Yeah. <laughs> Still a podcast. Still yeah. a podcast. Or this, or this, whichever it is uh, you Well, you know we've got cameras in there. That's good on the socials. Yeah. So anyway, during what she's foul mouthed with her hands, <laughs> he's like rolling around under the boat and he's in trouble and he does the signal, but no one can see it for some reason because mm. it's murky. Like, like you right now. <laughs> <laughs> in, in many ways, Vicky's pulled it round. This is the perfect example. What an analogy of what Jim Carrey was going through. What a fucking professional. The, the perfect, the perfect metaphor. <laughs> yeah, that was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Kids, honestly. So anyway, then he was really angry with Peter Weir because he's like, because mm. he, Peter you nearly Weir, killed me. He, he nearly killed yep. me. So when he yelled cut, he was like, that was great. That looked really realistic. <laughs> and Jim Carrey's like hanging on the wall, being like, Bloody I don't want to do this anymore. Um, but Peter Weir said they did reset their safety standards after that. So good. some good Kim of it. Seven days to go, but we... Uh, t- <laughs> and we aren't using that shot. I hope that's all right into consideration, Jim. You're not ignored here. You're, your voice is important. <laughs> so we've got this great image of Truman walking on water, up the steps, he opens the door. That's when we see his face and Christoph says, let me talk to him. 
Um, he tries to he tries to justify what he's doing. He explains the show that he's giving joy and hope uh, and inspiration to millions. Um, uh, he said, "There's no there's no more truth out outside that door. It's the same lies, the same deceit." But you know, Truman says, "You never had a camera in my head." Mm. Um, uh, he says, "You can't leave Truman. You belong here with me." And um, Truman just has the perfect response. Well, he cracks first, doesn't he? Christoph sort of loses his colourful memory. He's like, God damn it, say something. You're on live TV. Yeah, yeah. And like, you sort of see, like, he's so like, I, this, it's the show. What are you doing? Yeah. I control you and you're not doing what I would demand of you. Uh, and Truman responds with, in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening and good night. Yep. Takes a bow and leaves. The world cheers. They're all celebrating. Uh, they got the ending that maybe they wanted. Mm. Um, uh, just not Christoph. He did not get the ending he wanted. And they cease transmission. And that final famous line, what else is on? <laughs> yeah, where's the TV? Guy? I right. love that. Norm Scully from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, right. It's the killer line. <laughs> um, so uh, just a little bit about that original script. Now we've gone through the actual film. So as I said, it's he lives in Queens. Um, he's drinking too much. Um, that, that Truman, he goes into a pawn shop at one stage. He hires that sex worker. Can I rewind and just ask? So he's he's on TV. He knows he's on TV, or he doesn't know he's on TV. He's no, he been, doesn't know he's on TV. But he's being filmed by secret cameras in New York. In New York, in the yeah. real city. Yeah, it's, it appears right. that everyone in New York's an actor. So I think it's a, no, it's a build of New York. Okay, it's a build of New York, I believe. Yes. Okay, okay. So uh, it's similar in that respect. It's it's a, it's yes. a secluded. TV studio, which is a build yes. of New York, and it got you. Yeah, I believe so, because also it's not Fiji, it's Australia in this film, and so they start building. When he's going to go to find Silver, they start building Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, but, um, yeah, so it's much more adult and much less sort of Jim Carrey-friendly or Jim Carrey-audience-friendly in terms of who that character is. They give him these moral quandaries as well, which I think you would do in a TV show, what Big Brother ended up doing, you know, with the, with the games. Mm. So there's a scene where a woman's getting attacked on the tube and it, in the subway and they drag her off and, and, and Truman witnesses all this, but violence makes him freeze and so it looks like they're going to assault this woman and, and he just does nothing uh, Meryl rather than being a nurse is a stenographer and so she ends up working on these cases where Truman's been a witness and so we get updates on them and it, it, it increases his guilt for not doing anything when he hears about what's happened in court um, it's, this is great it's like <laughs> Truman's show Law and Order <laughs> um, there's, they talk about, there's a line I liked in it, talking about Truman's confidence when he was a kid. Uh, someone says, we're all born with a pound of cocaine up our nose. By the time we're 11, it runs out. Okay. Talking about our confidence <laughs> when we're children. Um, uh, the mum who pops up in the film, um, that's in, the, in this version, he doesn't really see her. He just hears her and sees her lying in bed. That's Christoph lying in the bed. And Christoph is, is nearby all the time, following Truman around so he can step in and, and get involved with things when things aren't going right. Um, which is quite interesting. Truman finds a dictionary uh, at one point and finds the word Truman-esque in the dictionary. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we see the meeting where Meryl decides not to renew her contract uh, and they plan his affair in that meeting. Uh, when the child is born, the plan is to enter a two-channel format oh, <laughs> for <my>. the show. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I have no problem with any of this. It's it really, sounds no, that's great. what I'm saying. It's really interesting. And the finale is a, has a bit more of an action sequence flavour to it so there are choppers firing bullets at him not trying to kill him but trying to get him to stop and he starts firing a flare guns back at them and takes out the chopper um, and the ending is very different he steps he hits the wall and he steps out of the set and into backstage without saying anything to Christoph. And there's a studio there. He sees a shop selling lots of Truman 
goods. Um, there's a tram doing the tour. He takes the tram guide hostage with the flare gun and he gets taken to Kristoff. And then that's where they have their argument. They say a lot of the same stuff, but it's on the top of the soundstage and Truman's threatening to throw him off the top of the soundstage. So it's sort of a bit more dramatic. Um, and um, Christoph drops an envelope that he's, he's carrying for him, which has her picture in it, Sylvia's picture in it. And he sees the picture, this sort of serenity kicks in and the camera pulls back. And that's sort of your ending is that, you know, he's going to go and find Sylvia, except they add a little bit on the end. So um, uh, Sylvia Truman have a baby in the real world. So we're obviously a couple of years later and they're watching the TV where Marlon, Vivian, the girl Marlon was supposed to have the affair with, um, have a baby on the TV. So they're the new parents bringing up the new Truman on telly. Okay, so it continues. It continues. Marlon, Marlon gets to gets to be centre stage, um, but Truman turns off the TV and heads outside with his family, and that's how it ends. So I, it's all really interesting. Uh, I prefer this version, but that dark version I think would have worked as well. Yeah, didn't they say after? Because Andrew Nichol wanted to direct it, and they were like, "You can't direct this yet. You're not ready." No, this is, that would have been his debut feature, mm. I think. Um, but they paid him a little more money right. to make sure he didn't direct it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it got it got nominated for a bunch of Oscars, um, director, screenplay, supporting actor, not actor for Jim Carrey. It won a bunch of astonishing. Back- it won a I bunch don't think of. So I don't. Really? I think Ed Harris overshadows him. Oh, no, not at all. I think... I, th- I honestly, I, l- I really like Jim Carrey and I don't want to be mean about it, but when he's, that line when he says, there was never a camera in my head, it's like, oof, that is, you, you could have done a bit better there because you're up against Ed Harris who's being phenomenal. Mm. It's not his fault, but it's just, okay. it makes it seem a bit, I don't know, it just doesn't compare. Uh, it won a bunch of BAFTAs. Um, Jim Carrey still didn't get a nomination. That's a shame. Um... And as Alex mentioned at the start, the Truman Show delusion or the Truman Syndrome became um, recorded in the British Journal of Psychiatry. They wrote about it in 2008 with people thinking that they were in their own version of the Truman Show. I think this is a, something that existed before, but after this film came out, it made people worse. Or it, yeah. gave, it gave it a name and it gave them something to cling on to. Yeah. Andrew Nichols said, you know you've made it when you've got a disease named after you. Love that. Mm. <laughs> right, any more or should we do the bits and bobs? Yeah, let's do the bits. <laughs> uh, Alex, uh, first, let's kick off with Bob. Um, what's your favourite? <laughs> what's your favourite scene? Uh, when he breaks his routine, and as I said it earlier, and that score kicks in, and he runs to the elevator. I just distinctly remember that bit where the elevator comes down, and he pulls, but door opens, and there's that woman, and it looks. It's so. I mean, obviously, they understand what backstage of a movie looks like, but it's just perfect. Mm-hmm. Her sitting in one of those chairs by craft services, yeah. <laughs> having a snack, having a sandwich. I was like. Nailed it. Vicky. It's similar and it's a small moment in terms of all the churn of everything going on. But when he taps into the studio feed and he can hear the transmission saying he's turning left on sunset or whatever it is. And then because they switch channels, everybody freezes and it's in the trailer and everybody clutches their headpiece and it's shot from above and it looks fucking amazing. That's it. Lovely. Um, Mine is the ending when he walks out. It makes me cry every single time I watch it. And it's the only film that makes me cry and I can't explain why it makes me cry. I just get so emotional that scene, especially when he says, you never had a camera in my head. He absolutely, <laughs> absolutely nails that line. Can we go again, Jim? It was a little bit teenage. <laughs> I have a mis-memory of this where <laughs> I, I, every time I watch it, I keep thinking I'm going to see it and I never do. I swore when Ed Harris is doing his speech to Truman at the end when Truman's on the stairs by the door, I swore Ed Harris's face became the moon. <laughs> <laughs> That's the mighty douche. And the Teletubbies. 
I, I just... That's not... That, that isn't the Truman Syndrome. That's and, the Mandela and, effect. Yeah. Moon baby. There's so many children's it TV was, shows. Just, no, it's the Mandela effect you've got going genu- on there. Yeah, it, I just always see his face. Every time I'm like, oh, sure, I thought his face became the moon. And he's like... It's a missed opportunity, Alex, definitely. that should be your change. I don't know why you haven't done that. Uh, most valuable whatever, Vicky. I think Laura Linney is really, really good. Um, but Ed Harris just nudges it because I think the I, I just think it's astonishing. And, you know, the big moment for him is all in close up and it's he's still incredible. And just the sort of the line, even though it does get a little bit sketchy sometimes, but between paternal but very controlling. So he wants the best for him, but he actually will kill him. He's quite mad, obviously, but he's also quite charming. Like but he's also very cold, but he's a warm person because he wants the best for his son and all the rest of it. Um, and he's just, he thinks he is God, but then he does come into the studio like he's shuffling around in a gown and things like that. So I just, I was always really impressed by it and watching it again. I, I just think yeah. he's so good. You don't think God would wear a robe of any kind or a dressing gown? In the, A nice flannel dressing gown? Because that's because you like a flannel dressing gown. Like Nobody else does. Gown. Does he look like the big Lebowski? <laughs> <laughs> I do. You want Alex. my MVW? Yeah, yeah, go on. Uh, don't be shy. Well, no, it's... Um, it's it's kind of what you've been saying all the way through. I don't know if it's going to be your uh, MVW, most valuable, whatever, but I just think Jim Carrey is a phenomenon in this film. Mm. I, I'm rarely invested quite to this level in the outcome of a character's journey. And there are points when he's in that boat at the end that I am just desperate for him to get away and free himself from this show. And I genuinely, it moves me a great deal mm. and I, I just I, I honestly I think it's a shame he didn't get nominated for an Oscar I think it's 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 just a remarkable remarkable performance that uh, you used the word vulnerable earlier Chris and I think that's it there are moments where you just like you're like you forget this is the rubber faced like mm. Joker from that's movies earlier that's what's mad you've got Ace Ventura yeah. The Mask Dumb and Dumber Liar Liar and then he suddenly turns into Jimmy Stewart it's like where did that come from <laughs> but you sort of forget that he's like this uh, even you forget he's a movie star you are it's sort of it's mm. such a transformation he's like this character he is Truman in this show and you want to hug him you feel like you're watching the Truman show the television show in it it's um it's just incredible so jim carrey yep and that's the reason i'm picking peter weir (laughs) because he's the one that saw that potential in jim carrey which was a stroke of genius that casting and also uh it's part of the reason i went through that script i think the changes he made weren't huge but i think they were incredibly important i think you would have had a good film and i think he's made a magical film um by just i don't know lightening it up and just tweaking it here and there i think it's Nearly a perfect film. Um, <laughs> he's, he's got a camera on him. Let's go, go to Truman's camera. There he is in a boat. Uh, and what would you change, Alex? Um, so despite the fact I've just said all that about the ending, and I do agree with you, the ending is fantastic. And it's weird that you just talked us through the epilogue in that final script. Mm. Because for me, the ending of this film isn't satisfying. Sylvia running down the stairs, him stepping out to that line. I think because I'm so invested in this character, I just can't help but see how awful his life is going to be in the real world because it's going to be just like the Truman Show, except people aren't going to be nice to him. They're going to be like, oh, Truman, you dickhead. And it's going to be... People he's the most love fa- him. He's the most famous man on the planet, but he'll, be yesterday's, he'll be yesterday's news. And the idea of being that recognisable in the real world, I just worry about him. 
So what I'm saying now is my change would be to have that epilogue that you just mentioned where you see him in the real world and he's met Sylvia and he's happy and maybe he turns off the show because it's in a new format or whatever. But I would just like one little thing to say, Truman left that show and was happy because I don't think the facts in this movie dictate that he is going to be very happy in the real world. That's weird. I, do, you, I, do you not? Do you not agree? We, I didn't mention Nick, Natasha McElhone. Like she's really well cast. I think she doesn't. She didn't give a lot to do. But... Oh shit! <laughs> she mostly watches telly. But fine. Yeah, I just those cheekbones. Hey, listen. It's not. It's not really about her. I mean, it's fine. It just. It, you, it feels so abrupt. The ending for me. It feels bittersweet. Where after the journey you've been on with him, and you're so invested in his freedom, you need to know that the freedom he gets brings him happiness that he didn't have. Well, I 100% Hamer. believe that, but I also think it, and not to disagree with your change, but I feel like he should, any time he spends with Sylvia should be in private now. I don't think we should see it. I think it should be off camera. No, but I, because I, I, I worked this out, because I'm like, well, maybe he moves away from any metropolis, maybe to a very secluded beachside town. <laughs> not like, not like Seahaven, where he can just like, you know, he knows everyone around him and no one bothers him and, and that's fine. I need something like that. Just to say Truman was happy because a very, the, the most famous person in the world existing in the real world, having never been there, like people are dickheads, full stop. Like they're not going to be nice. I feel like this film is telling you to believe in the power of love. Mm. Like Jennifer Rush sang. Also makes Sea Haven an island. <laughs> uh, Vicky. It's, it's, in, it's connected to your change, Alex, I think. I think it might provide a nice midway oh, okay. compromise. Let's hear it. I don't like that. Uh, the, the thought of Truman rushing into a new romance with Sylvia, I think it pulls focus from the bigger story of a man steps through a door and has absolutely no idea what is on the other side. A black door. How terrifying is that? He doesn't know what the real world is like at all. He's got an idea that it might be like the world he's come from, but he doesn't actually know. And his dad is telling him that it's dangerous out there and he shouldn't go out there. So he's, him stepping through the door is huge, obviously, but it's having Sylvia run down the stairs to meet him pulls focus from that. So And I've never liked it. I think it's unrealistic that she'd be sitting there watching the telly, pining away for a man that she was paid to meet, kind of. She paid to be on the show. And then one kiss, which is very quick, and that's that's you for fucking five years waiting for him to step through a Don't big door. Don't you believe in the power of love oh. like Huey Lewis? <laughs> so, Dad, Ed Harris, understands that Truman is kind of partially motivated by Sylvia, although I think that's maybe a mistake, and says something like... Sylvia will not be there waiting for you, so I don't know what you think you're doing. And maybe we see Sylvia and she has moved on and she's got a new family or a new life or whatever. You're making and it more depressing. Wait, no, no, wait. But then Truman says, she's, so Dad has said, Sylvia will not be there for you, so come back inside. And he says, she's not here either, so do you know what? I'll take my chances. And so you know that he's got the mental acuity and the resilience that even if he steps outside and Sylvia is gone, he'll be okay. Mm -hmm. There you go. Yeah. It's a bridge, isn't it? That it works. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've got a connection there. Yeah. I like it, Chris. I like it. Um, I really want to see the version of this film that's set up as a mystery. Uh, so we find out at the same time as Truman. Mm. Um, I don't think it would be better, but I would just like to figure out when I would twig watching it. I like yeah. films where I'm going along with the main character, trying to figure out as they go along. And as I say, yeah, it would probably be worse. But it's, it's an interesting choice they made, but I would love to see that version of this film. Dark City? Does Dark City do that? I can't remember. It was a long time Someone ago. Someone suggested pairing those two. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's why I think I mentioned oh, someone it. Someone else suggested Pleasantville. Um, <laughs> should we do a quiz? <laughs> He's live on Twitter right now. Oh, another, <laughs> another vote for Pleasantville. Honestly, though, when we were in the pub, 
And I was like, oh, it's my, it's my turn. Uh, and I suggested something, and he hated the suggestion. Here we go. This what is, was that? Sorry. It's someone's what dragged the themselves out from under Cliff- the bus. You put Oh, vertical limit. Vertical limit. I love so cliffhanger. Like, yes, I do too, so it's fine. And then he was like, oh, what about Truman Show? And someone suggested Freak. And I was like, oh, I love that. And he was so sweet. He went, oh, if that's what you want to do, babe. It was Alex. It was not someone. Alex is the one who suggested it. <laughs> but then you said it was fine. And you were if really you wanted nice it. If you see, wanted it. But no, but in a nicer voice than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were If that's what you want. If that's what you want. No, he didn't even say, because if I then I would, I'm not stupid. I would have been like, oh, fucking oh here we go no but he was like yeah, yeah so I, how did I say you just I'm trying it. to dig at you not you I know but as she just said I was at the bar so clearly it was you you're the one that changed it Whatever. do you want to do a quiz yeah this is the real quiz <laughs> so good good callback so uh, Truman and Guy are a bit on the nose as names yeah would you not say um, so these are a few more characters whose names are telling us a lot okay uh, oh. so I'm going to say the character's name and you got to say what movie the name comes from right yeah so Alex this isn't one of them this isn't the real quiz but if I said uh, <laughs> Pistachio Disguisio I would say Master of Disguise <laughs> exactly and the biggest clue to why that is a piece of shit <laughs> your character's name is what <laughs> Pistachio disguise ago I'll pass we are going to be doing it one day so you ready yeah John Doe seven seven fuck 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 (laughs) (laughs) wow that was like a volcano I can't look at her. I'm looking straight at you. Don't look at me. I'm scared (laughs) fuck 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 am I in danger You ready, Vicky? That's the only one I'm going to get close to, though. That's why I'm so mad. I think you'll know this one. All right. Uh, Pussy galore. Uh, That's a Bond thing. Oh, uh, golden, golden, goldfinger. It's goldfinger. Bond. It's it's just Bond. Like every every Bond movie has comedy names. Yeah, they all meld into one. I thought Christmas only came once a year. Did you call the character Doctor Christmas for that line? I think they did. Mm. Yeah. Um, Vicky, I'm going to look at you for this one okay. because I think you've seen this film and Alex hasn't. Okay. Uh, Frankenfurter. Oh, the Rocky oh. Horror Show. Yeah. Yay! 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 Uh, we've done this on the podcast. It's a Rocky Horror Picture Show, actually. <laughs> Nada. Uh, not Avatar. Combat. Oh, God. Uh, wait. It's. Um... Giving you a clue. Free Guy. <laughs> It's the it's the movie that Free Guys playing homage to when it does that. Matrix. Come on, detective. Matrix of Directions. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, the film is They Live. Uh, oh, he's yeah. called Nada. He's nothing. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> we've done this film as well. Uh, Castor Troy. It's I, Connor, face, no, face off! Face off! Fuck off! Yes, fuck off! Yes. No! No! <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vicky, there is a bonus on off here. Can you name his brother? Uh, yeah, I can. Pollock's Troy. Oh, <laughs> okay, we're nearly there. Um, Santanico Pandemonium. Oh no, I don't know. 1996 horror movie that we will be doing. Santanico Pandemonium. Mm. The, the devil's She's backbone. She's got a snake all around her. Oh, from Dusk Till Dawn. Correct. Finally, verbal kint. Oh, uh, the usual suspects. She stopped trying. Yeah, Look yeah, at her. yeah. <laughs> She lost it after fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> At least she calmed down. Yeah, I do. I know, and I do for genuinely. But unfortunately, calm. when she calmed down, she lost all competitiveness. It's yes. like it's, it's one or the other. It's oh, like, 100%. Yeah. You don't know that. I, I'll be really angry and stand a yeah. chance of winning. But you or, miss or it, calm. don't you, when it's gone? You miss it. I do. You're scared of it, but you love it. Alex, do you, do, you know, do you know the tiebreaker, what that would have been? Um, Sharon Stone. Oh, my God. I actually don't. 
Do you know this one, Vicky? No. I feel like I should. Wait, hang on. Mm. No, can't do it. Uh, the Flintstones. They named the character Sharon Stone because she was supposed to be in it. She passed on the film. So Halle Berry got cast and they still kept her being called Sharon Stone. <laughs> That's rude, isn't yeah, it? Very strange. Mm, lazy. Uh, all right, then. That is this episode done. Next week, I believe it's my choices. Am I right? I'm very confused, yes. I believe it's my choices. Let's hope it is. Okay. Because uh, this is the clue I have written for my pairing next week. You spent the entire trip whining. And the clue, once again, <laughs> you spent the entire trip whining. That's really good. Isn't it? That's Isn't really good. it? <laughs> I knew you'd like that. I was so happy when I came up with that. Uh, right then, that really is your lot for this episode. If you haven't subscribed to us for whatever reason, or you have some friends who you think might like us, please tell them to subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. You can check in with us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod. We will be back on Thursday. Talking free guy. Have a nice week till then. Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.